0: today on a classic compassion radio.
1: I just watched Rebecca. She had her arms lifted in praise, her eyes closed, and she prayed and worshiped God the entirety of the funeral. The faith, the passion, the devotion to what was most important in their life was, for me, the most impactful part of how they lived their lives.
0: What story is God writing on your heart this year? Hope? Joy? Gratitude? Or has the narrative been a bit darker for you? Maybe it's been both. Welcome to Compassion Radio, friends. I'm Bram Floria. We're here to bring you the good news stories of God's people rising to the occasion and taking the Great Commission seriously. In this two-part series, I want to focus on your pastor. There's no doubt that the shepherds of the flock are under extraordinary stress, They're accountable for the care of our souls, after all. And the flock has been getting a little restless, you might say, under the constraints of difficult times. It would be good, gracious and wise of us to spend some serious time praying daily for the overseers of the body. So, what are they really going through? Well, it's best to hear from a pastor himself. The one we'll highlight today does have a pretty unique situation and calling. The challenges, accomplishments, victories, and disasters he's faced might seem epic compared to many, but like any other pastor, he's in the situation he is because he said yes to Jesus. We need to say yes when the Spirit reminds us to pray for them. And that time is still now. When we first recorded this interview, the world was in the grip of the first major wave of the COVID pandemic. There have been many more jolts to the system since then that we've almost forgotten how intense that fear was, and it's easy to forget that millions are still struggling with the continuing medical threat COVID still poses for so many. What moved me the most in reviewing this important conversation was the depth of compassion and hope in this pastor's heart, even as he grieved his own losses. Friends, back with us today is a good friend of Compassion Radio's. Josh Manning of the Knoll Community Church in Knoll, Missouri. What a story it's been already, and we haven't talked in a few months. My friend, welcome back to Compassion Radio. Yeah, I'm
1: glad to be here. Good to hear from you again.
0: The things I've heard from you during this season of COVID has been somewhat disheartening to me on the first look. I've heard about prayer requests that have come out from your congregations, and you pastoring and mentoring pastors for a community as diverse as Knoll has become— you know, always astounds me when I hear about the things that God's put in your hands, and you have been a good steward. How many congregations are we up to now?
1: We are running at five services in a total of five languages, but that is only um, about half of the languages that are spoken in the town. And so we are only halfway to our ultimate goal of having the gospel represented in all of them.
0: When I think about what's become of Knoll in the past few years— and the story you originally told me about how God led you to the ministry you're doing, I thought about Ephesus and all the other hub cities that Paul visited because they were crossroads of languages of people groups. And those cities kind of loom large in our memory within the church because they were great cities of the empire. Who would have thought that in the modern American experience that this little corner of southwest Missouri would turn into one of those kind of cities? Oh,
1: yeah, this has been the most dramatic shift that at least I know of. We've gone from a largely Caucasian group to having over 30 nations of birth represented.
0: And it has a lot to do with the attractors in the area. There's lots of manufacturing and food processing and things that have drawn in. Recent immigrants tend to populate these kind of industries across America that keep our food inexpensive and keep the stuff moving on our highways. So these people are attracted to those places of opportunity where they can improve themselves and build America at the same time.
1: Absolutely. These folks have a really living American dream. They've come from difficult backgrounds. They're here now. They're making good money. They're gaining citizenship. Um, Some of them are getting to vote for the first time this year. Uh, We have multiple homeowners now. Uh, They're really the embodiment of what the American dream looks like.
0: And, of course, the kingdom dream. What is it like to put people of different tribes and tongues together in a family that discover the whole new culture? We've talked a lot about that before. The kingdom culture that God's developing. The ways you find celebrations that cross cultures that have become kingdom-focused and put Christ right at the very center of that, and how fun it's been for you to discover all of those new ways, not just crossing into their culture or them crossing into yours, but both of you stepping into the Jesus culture.
1: Some of these folks come from a very unbiblical background. Uh, We're dealing with a lot of Buddhism, Islam, animistic beliefs. So as they're stepping into what a Christian culture looks like, how does those things contrast with what they used to be? How do they incorporate their culture into what this culture of following Christ looks like?
0: And that fancy word that we use in theology, syncretism, where things get shoved into the same bucket, that don't belong there. You read stories even in the Old Testament about when the Ark of the Covenant was captured by pagans and put into a Philistine temple, how it was like a repulsive magnet to the idols in the temple. God cannot exist in the same space where there are these kind of not just low beliefs, but demonic beliefs that undergird so many things, and you're stripping those things away one by one and revealing Christ for who he really is, it's going to be repulsive to many of these forces. One of the things that I remember most from our first conversation in Noel was asking what kind of attacks are going to come because of the fact that Jesus is setting up shop in a place that wasn't his before. Establishing an outpost of a kingdom in a way that the Bible tells time after time is going to bring persecution. they going to bring suffering to the people who follow him, especially when they take territory back from the devil. And without being hyper-spiritual like that in my terminology, it seems to me like you're doing principalities and powers where you are.
1: Yeah, the instant you come into contact with preaching the gospel here, you're going to be encountering false teaching. It's interesting that so much of Paul's letters in the New Testament was not necessarily, well, it was dealing with the gospel, yes, but also dealing with the false teaching that was abounding, and that is so much of the battle and the struggle and the fight here is to keep the gospel the main thing and the central thing in everything
0: we do. And it has been a struggle for you this year. you know, In different ways on this program, we've attacked the issue of isolation, desperation, fear, Other things that seem to be the the negative fruit of a time when there are so many crowdings happening on our psyche. And it is kind of, as they say in psychology, the zeitgeist of our times to be anxious. There are a lot of different influences that are uncertain. We just want the certainty of something good or bad to be established so then we can deal with it. But so many things are left unstrung and unresolved this year that many people feel very anxious. So we're going to tackle some of those things by going through the story that you're living right now, Josh. So tell me if you would, when it came time to launch all these new congregations and all the dreams you and I discussed months ago, this was all before COVID, what's happened in the time since?
1: Initially, everything starts out just wonderfully. All these different services hasn't been as much due to my efforts. It's just been simply house churches that sprang up. And as they've grown, they've needed a legitimate place to worship just because they need the facility and the space. And so we've been known as a place that's going to allow these groups to come in. And so we've allowed them to. We picked up the uh, folks from the Marshall Islands, the folks from the Chuk Islands, and the two Spanish services, in addition to my bilingual service. Initially, it starts very, very well. You see some establishment of biblical principles and how you operate a church and, and those kind of things. The challenge always comes with dealing with false teaching and, uh, and this year, unfortunately, dealing with the COVID epidemic.
0: Give me an example of something that is subtle, but is a false teaching that is so easy to slip into.
1: So many of my folks are swayed by some of the things that have Christ in them that aren't Christ. Hmm. Missionaries from other groups that we would generally consider as being cults of Christianity abound in this town. And these folks will typically talk about Jesus and say, oh, pastor talks about Jesus. These folks talk about Jesus. And they're being swayed towards a gospel that's going to be more works rather than grace. And you're constantly battling those kind of
0: things. So when you're facing works righteousness subcults, there was plenty of those that attacked the church from the time that Jesus handed over the keys to the kingdom to the apostles and said, go get busy. So how do you respond? I mean, obviously, there's got to be something that's simple and it gets across in every culture. The Lord has probably refined your message of what is the true gospel, Paul and Peter had to deal with that even in their letters to the churches. If nothing but this, we focus on it. What is it for you?
1: What I've learned is to be extremely blunt and extremely direct with what's happening. We talk about false teaching from the pulpit very directly. We talk about what the true gospel is and talk about how this differs from the false teaching that's been occurring you have to point it out very directly in ways that would probably be uncomfortable from uh, most pulpits in America, hmm. just because we tend to not be as confrontational. Yeah. But if this is if you're battling for the souls of your people, you have got to do warfare in that manner. Dealing with some of the false missionaries in town, we have worked uh, very diligently at stressing this is why this differs from Scripture.
0: And we talk about enemies of the gospel. The scriptures give us two major emphases on how we approach people. One is as enemies of the gospel and one as neighbors. And yet the two seem to flow right over each other. And there are times when the people that we're talking about reaching that are lost are people that are propagating a false gospel and need Jesus. So we go to them as the Spirit leads and show them Jesus in ways that are wide open and loving. And there are other times, even within the church, where those who claim the mantle of Christ have bought into a false gospel and are propagating that within the body, and you have a much more difficult decision to make. How do you confront error without making enemies of your own family along the way? So tell me how you work through those kind of issues. Obviously, every individual, every family is unique and requires an approach that the Spirit gives you, but what do you do when you're trying to discern how to approach where falsehood creeps up?
1: We're always walking this strange balancing act between outreach and discipleship, Mm -hmm. and all of it is ultimately relationship.
0: Before we go back to the program today, I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly with gifts large and small and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. We're here to bring you real good news in every situation. Just call us to make your gift at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone or visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Thank you, friends, for everything you've done and what you'll do today. We love you. And now back to today's program without making enemies of your own family along the way. Tell me how you work through those kind of issues. Obviously, every individual, every family is unique and requires an approach that the Spirit gives you, but what do you do when you're trying to discern how to approach where falsehood creeps up?
1: We're always walking this strange balancing act between outreach and discipleship,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and all of it is ultimately relationship. Um, It is much easier to be able to confront false teaching with someone that you know extremely well and they know you love them because of countless hours spent with them. And so if you know someone very well and you have a long history with someone, then you can better approach this is false teaching and it comes from a place of relationship. Where we struggle to find the balancing act is the difference between reaching the people in the community that are very much not following Christ, and then that, that transition from they're followers of Christ and they need to be accountable to the gospel. That is acquired through time, relationship, and an extended amount of work.
0: I think we laid a good foundation for your ethic and the way you work at your ministry, and I'm, I'm proud of you for it, friend. I know it's it's hard because sometimes when you have to be blunt about things— and do it in Christ, there is the potential risk of loss of fellowship and also of alienating people. And the temptation would be to take it on yourself, say, I did this, I drove them away from the gospel, I have lost a friend. And that's how I think the devil works on our sense of safety and identity by seeming to tear people away from us. Mm-hmm. And yet we're called to be obedient first and love people in that obedience and also providing a place for them to be safe and to grow in the gospel and to transform their communities because of their consistent discipleship walk with you so tell me about the struggles this church has the church i mean in the big c in Knoll, missouri has experienced over these past maybe nine months
1: the largest looming thing has has been dealing with covid we had the initial lockdown where they said you can't have church service ended up being about seven weeks
0: mm, it's hard
1: for us that's devastating and the reason why is because online works for most ministries very well. This is an extremely hands-on, eyeball-to-eyeball type of ministry. Mm-hmm. And so you really went a couple months without accomplishing any kind of relational, anything that you were normally doing. Once the place opened back up and we were allowed to resume services, realized there had been no cases of COVID anywhere near Null at that point. We started service again, and then within a few weeks, The first case was recorded at the local poultry processing plant. Yes. Very quickly, it spread. We'll never know the true numbers of how many people had it, but my own personal estimate is a significant portion of the town. Many are resistant to testing, approaching doctors, things of that sort. And so there are numerous more cases that will never be known a uh, vast majority of my church had it. I had it. All five of my pastors had it at some point. Hmm. At one point, we even lost a very dear friend of ours. He was the pastor of our Spanish service. His death was a tremendous blow for us.
0: I'm sure it was, Josh.
1: Roberto Nunez was an extraordinary man. He was a church planter, extreme passion for his people. Amen. He came to Knoll. There was, at that point, a very small home church meeting with just a family or two. Moved to Knoll. Uh, we helped him find a home to live in. He worked harder than not any person I ever know, just building up his body constant. You would hear about him meeting with this person or that person and so on. He's a man who spoke very little English, and I speak very little Spanish, but we felt as though we were extremely close just because of our proximity and the way our work overlapped mm-hmm. daily. He contracted COVID, was in the hospital for over a month. Losing him was extremely painful for us and extremely damaging for his church because he was such a central figure in it. His beautiful wife, Rebecca, is the sweetest soul I think I've ever met. The thing that sticks out was at the funeral. Um, We were there at the church, and I just watched Rebecca the entirety of the funeral. She had her arms lifted in praise, her eyes closed, and she prayed to God and worshiped God the entirety of the funeral. The faith, the passion, the devotion to what was most important in their life was, for me, the most impactful part of how they lived their lives. An extremely dear friend that it was devastating to lose.
0: Josh, just on the personal level, I'm— sincerely sorry you lost such a companion in the ministry, and someone that worked closely with you. There's just the sense of presence with someone who is of like heart and mind. You know you see Jesus in them, and they're with you every day. It's like having Jesus in the room with you, because you do. And when that's pulled away from you, you feel like you've been separated from it. I'm really deeply sorry for that loss for you and for the community. Pastor Roberto and his wife, Rebecca, did they have any children?
1: They had two grown children. And they had two grandchildren that they spent a great deal of time
0: with. And Josh, I want to move on to some other stories about people that have been struggling with you and have borne the responsibility and the burden of caring for the church in dangerous times. You lost Pastor Roberto Nunez from your Spanish-speaking congregation, and now you have Rebecca, his widow, with you for a while. Did you end up sending her back to family to care for her, or is she still part of your fellowship there in Knoll, Missouri?
1: She eventually had to move with her daughter in Texas. With the loss of her husband came the loss of her home, ministry, mm. so many things, and it made the, the loss a little bit more
0: painful. I imagine. So we need to be praying for the Spanish-speaking community in your church there in Noel. That's item number one for me. Tell me about the other pastors and the struggles they've been going through.
1: Um, We've been dealing with health issues. If you are engaged in ministry, I just truly attribute it to spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Renman Darius, he's our Chukis pastor. Since he's been with us, he has battled severe health problems, uh, diabetes, kidney failure. He has lost a leg. He's at stage five kidney failure Uh, as a church. We are taking turns driving him to dialysis twice a week. He had one span that he wasn't in the hospital only but one Sunday in a month. And that one Sunday he preached. He preaches from a wheelchair, is very limited in what he can do physically, but is preaching the gospel. He's an extraordinary man. He came from a different tradition where baptism was by by sprinkling and not immersion. There was never anything we discussed or anything of that sort. But in reading the scripture, he saw examples of baptism by immersion, and he asked to be baptized. Amen. And so you had a man that got out of the hospital just a few days before. He still had the medical apparatus on him, all this kind of stuff. He was missing a leg. And it took several people to get him into the baptismal, but we baptized him and his entire family one Sunday.
0: That is awesome.
1: Um, Truly one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, it was extraordinary.
0: And you're talking about somebody who, in his discovery of Scripture, even as a pastor, discovers new things and draws close to the heart of Jesus. And he sees something there that he feels like he's missing. He's not just checking off boxes to make sure he qualifies to be a pastor. I can hear it in the way you tell the story, Josh. This is an exercise in love from him. He wanted to show Jesus how much he loved him.
1: It was impressive. It was one of the more touching moments of of my life. It was hard to maintain any kind of composure. And just the passion and desire to follow Christ, despite the extraordinary level of difficulties, just to, for context, he was able to come and distribute Bibles to his congregation,
0: so it's that gentleman. Yeah, that's a powerful day in my memory. It is extraordinary time. The story of Pastor Josh Manning and the Community Baptist Church of Knoll, Missouri, is really the story of the whole body of Christ around the world today. Remember that your pastor is dealing with similar issues and faith challenges. I urge you again to pray for those who serve you in your fellowship and to ask God to provide them everything they need to faithfully lead us in courage and humility so that we can truly reach the world when it needs Him and when it needs us the most. We'll be back with Josh to hear more of the story of the gospel going forth in his hometown and, as a result, to the very ends of the earth. I hope you'll join us then.
2: darkness around me, sorrow surrounds me, and though there be trials, still I can't see, for I have this treasure, my God reigns within me, and I am determined. To live for the King I am determined To be invincible Till He has finished His purpose in me And nothing shall shake for He'll never forsake me I am determined to live for the King Those gates are trembling from saints' prayer From praises we sing
0: There is so much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. Knowing that you're being challenged to live out your faith like never before is a wonderful encouragement to us as well. I hope you'll take time today to drop us a note through our website or by email. However you reach out, know that we're in this ministry and this work for you and because of you. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. 1-800-868-2478 Our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160 Corona, California 92877 And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com We're waiting for you, friends. Hop on board.